Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Yes, folks, it is the future, all right, and it is appropriate how fitting it is here on Wednesday night, February 15th, 2017, here on episode number 42 of Wrestling Debate, 1-724-444-7044, caller ID number 139925-POUND. You can join us right now. We are expecting the king and queen of the Madness Table join us shortly here. Hopefully the Black Widow herself from Palmyra, Virginia, Michelle Lynn Dodds. And, of course, my brother from another mother, King NWO, Gerard T. Smith from beautiful Canada, however, will be joining us here in just a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the debate, however, on another Wednesday night. And hopefully you guys are staying all warm and toasty in your homes tonight, however, despite this weather. I'll tell you what, it's a little nasty out right now. 
in more ways than one, however. But if you guys are definitely inside your house, however, and definitely uh, curled up uh, next to a fire or just listening to us here on your laptop, welcome to the debate. I am your host, the Iceman, Jared DiGirolamo, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to what should be a very another action-packed Wednesday night, if you will, here at the debate table. Last week, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, we were talking about the Monday Night War, however, involving WCW and WWE. And when we left off, however, mind you, as far as that goes, however, we were actually going into 1999. Heading into 1999, ladies and gentlemen, the WCW and the WWE, of course, have been battling for supremacy on Monday nights, however. However, that would all change, however, as the start of the year would be commenced in January. And tonight, however, we will continue our conversation here that we left off of last week, however. As you know, going into 1999, a lot of things had happened in wrestling that some people did not see coming. Case in point, however, only one week before at Starcade 1998, however, Bill Goldberg with a record of 173-0 and who had won the WCW US and the World's Heavyweight Championship earlier this year, late earlier that excuse me, not earlier this year, earlier that year, ladies and gentlemen, was ready to take on Kevin Nash for the WCW World's Heavyweight Championship. Meanwhile, however, over in the WWF land, however, Mick Foley and The Rock were getting ready to do battle with one another, however, as well as Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. However, that would soon change, however, on January 4, 1999. As a result, however, that night saw the WWE battle the WCW, as you would expect, on Monday nights, however, for the right to see who would be crowned king of the Monday night uh, battle. Unfortunately, however, that would all change by 10.45 p.m. when Tony Schiavone announced that night on the air and blurted out, however, through his headset, however, that Mick Foley was going to win the World's Heavyweight Championship against The Rock. And with a scoff remark, he simply said, ah, that'll put butts in seats. Well, guess what, folks? That night changed everything, however, as the Monday Night War as we know it, however. As a result, however, a lot of people saw that night, however, switch over to USA to see the battle between The Rock and Mick Foley for the WWF World's Heavyweight title. Meanwhile, back on Nitro, however, in Atlanta, however, right in their home backyard, however, they had a main event consisting of Kevin Nash versus Hulk Hogan. Two guys who three years before became the best of friends in forming a group known simply as the NWO or the New World Order, however, now were to do battle in the main event for the world's title. If that's not all, ladies and gentlemen, they decided to embarrass WCW world, or should I say, ex-world champion Bill Goldberg by proclaiming him as a stalker, however, and that he had been stalking, however, the true first lady of wrestling, the lovely, beautiful Miss Elizabeth. As a result, that turned out to be a farce and total sham in every sense of the word, however. And just like Starcade, however, six days before, this one would not be without controversy by the end of the evening. No, no, no. Meanwhile, however, on the WWF side of the coin, however, everything was going, well, let's just say interesting here in more ways than one. As a result, however, we would see, however, that night, thanks to help from Stone Cold Steve Austin, who had had a somewhat dislike 
for both Vince McMahon and The Rock, however, mind you, help his somewhat longtime uh, WCW adversary, Mick Foley, steal, or should I say not steal, win the World's Heavyweight title, as well as help from Triple H, and of course his group known simply as the Generation X. Now, earlier in the year, of course, mind you, however, we had seen the shocking return of X-Pac, a.k.a. Sean Waltman, believe it or not, from the WWCW. At the time, however, he had simply gotten his walking papers handed to him by Eric Bischoff only a year before, however, mind you, and had told WCW and Hulk Hogan, as well as his former clickmates, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, where to stick it. Meanwhile, however... At the same time, Austin and McMahon, however, had had their own issues with each other, both inside the ring as well as outside of the ring with each other. But at the same time, Howard WCW thought they could do no wrong, or so we thought. As a result, Howard, that night and that remark made by Tony Howard made people realize, Howard, that WCW was definitely heading downhill faster than a snowball off a cliff. As a result, however, when they returned back to seeing what was the end of Monday Nitro, however, in Atlanta that night, they saw, well, let's just say a ridiculous sham of a match. Not even 30 seconds in, however, they decided to pull the wool over everyone's eyes, however, including the announcers, by basically pretending to see the two of the former friends of the NWO literally fake fight one another, and as a result, however, Hulk Hogan once again proclaimed himself champion, however, by winning back the WCW world title from Kevin Nash, thanks to the so-called infamous finger poke of doom. As a result, Bill Goldberg came out of nowhere, however, from uh, backstage, however, running out and telling everyone this was totally a farce, this was fixed, this was a sham, this was a put-on, but unfortunately he never got those words out, however. As a result, Lex Luger, however, along with Nash, Scott Steiner, or excuse me, not Scott Steiner, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan, and Eric Bischoff all pulled the wool over everyone's eyes on this night, and as a result, however, they left Goldberg in a heap by spray-painting his back the simple letters N-W-O. By the end of the night, however, and by the next morning, however, when the ratings came in, however, the ratings showed a different story, however. Up until that point, however, that Bischoff had heard, had made Tony utter that remark, they were in a pretty much even contest with WWE. But once he made that remark, however, on the air, however, and once everyone heard it in the back, however, and everyone else at home, everyone decided to switch over to USA to see what was going on. As a result, they saw what happened, and when they came back to Nitro, however, people were really disappointed of how the main event turned out to be, or the supposed main event, if you will. The problems would continue throughout 1999, however, and within a few weeks, however, WCW would lose two of their big guns, however. First, Paul White, simply known as the Big Show, however, now in WWE, told Eric Bischoff he wanted out of his contract shortly after this took place. Bischoff obliged him, and within a month, however, Paul White showed up in the WWF, however, mind you, letting WCW start to sink to the bottom. But the real problem, of course, would commence, however, later on that spring when Chris Jericho was tired of being put over, or should I say, being denied opportunity after opportunity. After giving himself a pretty good start, however, the last couple of years prior to this, however, Bischoff told, however, Jericho he had no more use for him, or Jericho simply had had enough of Bischoff's somewhat power trip. 
In fact, he wanted out of his contract like Paul White had, however, and told Bischoff flat out he wanted out no matter what, however. Bischoff obliged him, and as a result, however, mind you, however, he would see Jericho take off in the summer of 1999 to go to Vince McMahon's company, laughing at him as he headed out the door, saying that he wouldn't amount to nothing. Basically, however, it seemed like Bischoff thought he was untouchable or invincible, if you will, by continuing to let his own talent dictate what they told him, however, by saying they wanted out of their contracts and wanted to go elsewhere. Bischoff thought he had everything in control, or so he thought. In fact, at one point, he challenged Vince McMahon to a fight, however, live on Monday Night Nitro. But Vince would not oblige him or not respond to him and simply had other things to do. And at this point, everyone thought that Bischoff had gone more than power-hungry. He was absolutely over-the-top insane, to say the least. That being said, however, things would continue to be an ugly scene, however, mind you, however, throughout the rest of 1999. We'll tell you about that in just a second. Let's just give you the number one more time, 1-724-444-7044, caller ID 139925-POUND. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number 42 of Wrestling Debate. However, I'm your host, the Iceman, Jared D. Duvall. Of course, we're expecting King NWO, Gerard T. Smith, and the Black Widow, Michelle Lindotz, here in just a few minutes. Of course, don't forget, tonight at 9 o'clock, we will be back in the high chair again with Wrestling Revolution. The caller ID is 138055-POUND. We will be talking about last night's SmackDown, and we will also be talking about the Elimination Chamber that happened this past Sunday. Also, don't forget, tomorrow night, join Gerard, myself, and the Black Widow for another edition of Top Heel, Inc. Beginning at 7 p.m., the caller ID is 140562-POUND. And then at 9 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, we will have another edition of Wolfpack Radio for you live at 9 p.m., ladies and gentlemen. The caller ID is 138521-POUND. Anyway, getting back to what I was saying now about what happened with Bischoff and his uh, wrestlers, if you will. Shortly after Jericho and uh, Paul White decided to say to Eric Bischoff they wanted out of their contract, however, mind you, things couldn't get worse for the WCW, however, as they continued to slide way down the hill, off the mountain, and into the streets, if you will. Just when it looked like things were starting to pick back up for WCW, even though they had been falling apart, however, mind you, however, in the early part of 1999, tragedy struck the company when Bret Hart's brother Owen suddenly passed away in May, however, due to a freak accident in Kansas City. He was only 34. At the time, Bret was supposed to be facing, however, mind you, however, Kevin Nash on The Tonight Show and challenged Kevin Nash, however, to a match, however, on The Tonight Show. Unfortunately, that match never took place due to the fact that Brett's brother had passed away, however, the day of after um, the over-the-edge pay-per-view, however, in May of that year. And as a result, the match between Brett and Nash was scrapped, however, for the Tonight Show. Unfortunately, however, the WWF, despite the tragedy of Owen, however, meanwhile, was still going upward, however, and starting to rise more and more. Now that they had had Paul White in their camp, however, Things couldn't you know, any worse for the WWE, however, mind you, as they started to ride a big tidal wave of momentum, however, and started to crash upon the WCW village like an angry bat out of hell, however, by basically swamping them up and gobbling them up at every turn by taking away the WCW talent and also beating them on the Monday Night War ratings, to say the least. However, in the late summer of 1999, WCW tried one last thing, however, that they would hope to try to save their year, and that was have the rock band KISS perform on their WCW Monday Night Nitro show live in concert for free. Unfortunately, however, that never commenced to uh, 
take place, however, and as a result, the ratings for that absolutely dropped like a stone. I mean, way down, we're talking, folks, below a 2.0, however. It was the lowest ratings it had had ever up to that point, however, and things were looking bleak, to say the least. In fact, at one point, however, Dr. Harvey Schiller, the executive vice president of uh, WCW, however, called Eric Bischoff into his office, however, and told him he had to go home. He had to take a rest. He was definitely getting himself more and more deeper in trouble and more and more out of control behind the scenes as well. Meanwhile, the WWF, however, despite the loss of Owen, however, earlier in May, however, started to pick themselves back up again, however, despite the tragedy, and acquired Chris Jericho from WCW. And in the early August of 1999 Chicago, however, on Monday Night Raw, however, Chris Jericho made his debut for the WWF, however, in front of a packed house at the Allstate Center in Chicago, confronting the people's champion, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. As a result, the two of them began to banter with one another the very first night Jericho came onto the scene, however. And as a result, that night, the same night that the Kiss show took place, however, on Nitro, however, WWF blew away WCW with their highest ratings by far in the Monday Night War and literally hurt WCW right where it hurt the most, in the wallet, to say the least. As a result, however, Chris Jericho, however, his debut came off as a big success, however, and WCW was wondering why they could not hold on to Chris Jericho when it looked like they were ready to hold on to him earlier in the year. Thanks to Eric Bischoff, however, they had now let two of their main guys go, however, and things were getting progressively worse for the company. In fact, at one point, however, WCW tried to acquire some old WWF talent again and also new talent from ECW, if you will, a.k.a. Extreme Championship Wrestling, to try to keep their heads above the water and fight back against Vince's corporation. Some of it turned out to be good. Some of it turned out to be, well, not so good. In fact, some of the names that they had acquired during this time included the following. Shane Douglas, Raven, The Sandman, Perry Saturn, among others, however. Some of it turned out to be an okay thing, however, mind you. Some of it did not turn out to be a good thing, however. Meanwhile, at the same time, however, while WWF was acquiring some of the WCW talent, they also started a second show of their own, like WCW had done the year before. They went up against the WCW now on Thursday nights, too, however, by combating a new show called simply SmackDown, however, named after The Rock, however, while WCW's second show, however, had debuted, however, only a year before, simply called Thunder to try to battle back against the WWF. At first, Thunder turned out to be a pretty decent show, somewhat, but by the end of 98 into the early middle part of 99, they started to slip a little bit, and by the latter part of the summer going into the fall of 99, they were really starting to have a tough time battling WWF in the ratings. Meanwhile, SmackDown had tried out their new show, how earlier in 1999, on one particular episode, and had gone to mixed bag. But when they came back in late August slash early September of 1999, going into the fall of 99, they were hoping that this time, how it wouldn't fail. Well, as a result, it didn't fail. And as a result, however, they decided to just literally beat WCW any way they could. If they couldn't beat them on Monday nights like they had done before, however, they could hurt them also on Thursday nights too, however, by combating them with their own show against WCW's own version of their show, simply put. 
As a result, however, for the first few months, however, SmackDown did pretty well against uh, Thunder, however, as they had a chance to literally edge them out at every turn. While on Monday nights, however, more and more it looked like WCW was starting to sink harder to the bottom and literally be blown off the side of the uh, island, so to speak, and literally out into the ocean far, far away, while WWE was literally living like a king and celebrating that they had been finally the WCW right where it hurt them the most. Also in the fall of 1999, ladies and gentlemen, they had hired two new particular writers WCW had done. They were two guys who originally had worked with Vince McMahon as his TV writers. They were Ed Ferrara and Vince Russo. As a result, the two of them made their debut in October of 1999, just a few weeks after WCW had had a somewhat intense battle against WCW by simply uh, putting themselves out there however, as a special, uh, let's just say, uh, act. And by that I mean this. WCW in early October, prior to Russo and uh, Ferrara arriving, advertised Tower in early October a very somewhat emotional, very heartfelt, uh, somewhat tribute match hour on one of their particular episodes. At the time, Brett the Hitman Hart, however, who had just come back by way after being away for so long because of his brother Owen, however, asked the WCW management, however, to put him in a match against Chris Benoit. As a result, that night in early October of 1999, on October 4th, the two would meet in Kansas City's Kemp Arena. Less than four months after Brett's brother Owen had passed away, the two stole the show, however, in what was a monumental, very emotional match, to say the least. Unfortunately, when the ratings came out the next day, however, it was not enough to beat the WWF rating, however, and Monday Night Raw. Nevertheless, however, WCW felt, however, that despite the fact that they had turned for at least one night, however, the corner against WCW or WWE by putting a fight into him, that things couldn't be worse. Well, unfortunately, that turned out to be nothing more than a lie. At the same time Russo Ferrara arrived in WCW, however, an old WWF name also had decided to jump ship. Just like Lex Luger had done only four years before, however, the night before the very first episode of Monday Night Nitro, however, mind you, Jeff Jarrett, however, had a match with former WWE Women's Champion, the ninth wonder of the world, and Triple H's somewhat one-time bodyguard slash girlfriend in D-Generation X, China, a.k.a. Joni Lauer. As a result, however, at the time, Jeff Jarrett, of course, took on China, however, in a so-called quote-unquote good housekeeping match on a WWE event however the night before on a pay-per-view in Cleveland. 24 hours later however without Vince McMahon knowing or anyone else in WWE knowing however Jeff Jarrett decided to join his two WWF cohorts Russo and Ferrara however in heading back south if you will to WCW and it wouldn't be long before Jeff Jarrett began to play his ego to the crowd once again by proclaiming himself as the quote-unquote chosen one, if you will. Jeff, of course, had left WWE prior to WCW, of course, a few years prior to this because of differences of what was going on at the time because WWE was not doing enough, however, by competing against WCW, and he wanted a change in the environment, however, hoping that uh, things would look bright for him and he would get better and hopefully recognized for his achievements in WCW. 
Prior to that, however, mind you, he had only stayed in WCW for a brief time before getting a chance to go back to the WWE, however, mind you, because of money. Now he was back again in the second time in less than a couple of years, however, this time hoping to prove everyone wrong, however. He had been tired of the somewhat pull that had been going on in WWF, however, by not only people in the office, however, but most notably some of the people he had worked with, preferably Stone Cold Steve Austin. In fact, however, Jeff Jarrett was quoted saying, however, that at one point, however, Austin did not want to do business with him whatsoever, and that is why he chose to get out of his contract, not telling Vince McMahon or anyone else for that matter that he was looking to go elsewhere, however, and as a result, however, he decided to jump ship by heading back to WCW. Unfortunately, however, the problems would continue to fester, however, in the coming months, however, heading into the new year, however. By the latter part of December of 1999, things were getting so bad, however, they were hoping for that by the time the new decade would roll around, however, a change would be inevitable. Well, unfortunately, that would be the case, however, as we would soon find out that did happen in January of 2000. By December 1999, Bret Hart and Bill Goldberg, however, were the two guys how our WCW fans were still somewhat clinging to, but at the same time were starting to lose interest in, in more ways than one. At one point, Bret Hart and Goldberg, however, had won the WCW Tag Team titles together, however, on a particular event, however, and within a week later, however, were fighting one another to decide who would be the WCW World Champion. As a result, however, on this particular night, however, Goldberg accidentally kicked the head of Bret the Hitman Hart, however, in a ma- his world title matchup at Starcade that year. Unfortunately, however, Goldberg would win the match and retain the title, however, as unfortunately he was once again on top of the mountain, however, mind you. Let's just say in more ways than one. But unfortunately, that was soon to be dismissed. 24 hours later, however, the two fought once again, however, after Bret Hart complained, however, due to the fact that he had got kicked in the head, however, he felt he got cheated, and told Vince Russo behind the scenes, however, on a particular uh, memorable yelling interview, however, on Nitro, however, that he was tired of being screwed around like he had been just a few years before in WWE, and that he wanted out of his contract by any means necessary. At the time, Russo did not know if uh, Bret was serious, or if he was simply joking. He said that he would fix the problem and make Brett a happy man, however, mind you, no matter what, and he would try to fix it as soon as possible. Well, unfortunately, the problem came to fruition, however, that night, however, later that night. And as a result, Bret Hart, however, after fighting Goldberg yet again and seeing almost another hokey finish happen, however, like the night before, only this time without the kick heard around the world, however, it turned out to be that Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Jeff Jarrett all decided to beat down Bill Goldberg. And when they asked Bret Hart, however, to join in on the act, however, Bret at first hesitated, feeling that he shouldn't do it, however, and felt that he was being screwed over again by Vince Russo and the whole front office of WCW. But in the end, he gave in, however, and somehow sold out, if you will, to everyone else who at one point thought that Brett stood for loyalty and trust and everything like that and joined his new friends by beating down Goldberg. As a result, the fans were irate, to say the least, and as a result, for the upteenth time, however, the NWO was back together again, this time simply calling themselves NWO 2000. 
By the end of the night, however, the fans were disgusted and appalled at the actions that Brett and the rest of the new group of the NW2000 had done to Goldberg and what Vince Russo had done. Something needed to be done. Something needed to be changed up. And the question was, what would happen and when would it happen? We would soon find out. Heading into 2000, folks, however, it got even worse. However, the start of the year began to become even worse. On WWE's side, however, there was still a lot of tension between Vince McMahon and The Rock. However, only this time, however, Vince McMahon's star, Stephanie, however, mind you, however, along with her somewhat new husband and the story, however, Triple H, had put the screws in not only to everyone in the locker room, but to the chairman himself, however, and also everyone else, however, by forming a faction simply called the McMahon-Helmsley era. As a result, however, when The Rock and Mick Foley tried to stand up to both Triple H and Stephanie Howard, they were shown the door. At least one of them was shown the door. However, The Rock came back, however, the following week, however, and demanded to Mick and, excuse me, demanded to Stephanie and Hunter to stop playing mind games with everyone in the locker room and also behind the scenes. He had told both of them that he was tired of their fooling around and their shenanigans already, however, and it had only been just a few weeks and what they had done to Mick Foley was not right. At the time, however, Mick Foley, meanwhile, challenged then Triple H, however, to a matchup, however, at the Royal Rumble, however, in the hallowed halls of MSG, however, for that year. Meanwhile, however, in WCW, however, Ric Flair had returned, however, after being away the previous few months, however, at the end of 1999, due to contract obligations, however, and other personal issues with management. As a result, however, he came back the very first night of the new year in 2000, however, and told everyone, however, that WCW needed someone to take over the ship, however, and run the ship the right way, as far as commissioner goes. As a result, many people thought, however, it was going to be him named to the post that night. As a result, it turned out to be not so. As a result, however, the WCW brought back old legend Terry Funk, however, to become the new commissioner on the very first night of the new year, however, in Ric Flair's backyard, however, mind you, of North of Greenville, South Carolina, if you will. And as a result, however, that night, however, saw Terry Funk take over the presidency of the WCW until Bret Hart, Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett, and his entourage included the Harris brothers, Ron and Don Harris, simply known at the time as their name, which prior to that, however, they'd been known as Patrick and Gerald Howard, to stop doing what they were doing, however, and to knock off the tomfoolery. As a result, however, let's just say they didn't. And they would continue to run roughshod over everybody and anybody that stood within ear-shouting distance. Finally, Terry Funk had had enough, along with his assistant deputy commissioner who he had hired to join with him in the office, Arn Anderson. And as a result, the two of them took action against Bret Hart and company the following week in Buffalo. As a result, they put Jeff Jarrett in a series of three grueling matches and Bret Hart in a match of his own, however, against his former, let's just say his former WWF cohort and now fellow NWO mate, Kevin Nash. As a result, that night saw Jeff Jarrett fight three particular legends, George the Animal Steel, Tito Santana, and Jimmy Superfly Snuka. 
As a result, however, Jeff Jarrett, of course, however, won two of those matches. But by the end of the night, the third match took a lot out of him. And as a result, he ended up losing that match. Worse, he was hurt, however, and going into that weekend, following weekend, however, many people were wondering if he would be able to fight Chris Benoit again for the U.S. title. Only three weeks before, the two had fought one another in a grueling ladder match at Starcade that saw somehow, someway, Jeff Jarrett pull out a close shave. Now the question was, however, could Chris Benoit get payback on Jeff Jarrett and the entire NWO by taking one of their main belts, the U.S. title? Well, we would soon find out. Meanwhile, Bret Hart, however, ended up fighting a no contest with Kevin Nash that night, however, for the championship belt. Unfortunately, however, that night, mind you, Jeff Bret Hart also was hurt still from his matchup from uh, Bill Goldberg at Starcade that night, only a few weeks before. As a result, however, uh, Bret Hart, however, a few days later went to the doctor and many people were fearing that it was just nothing. It was a minor thing. However, even though he had experienced headaches and wasn't feeling the best of uh, health, however, he would be okay to fight against uh, Sid Vicious, who was named the new number one contender, mind you, heading into the very first pay-per-view of the new millennium. Sold out. Unfortunately, that was not to be the case. Later that week, however, Vince Russo, however, met with his booking team that Friday, however, to discuss plans how they would book the show. At one point, one of the people felt, however, that they should do a battle royal, however, and proclaim Tank Abbott the new number one contender after the Bret Hart matchup against Sid. The winner of Bret and Sid would feast the winner of the battle royal, and Tank Abbott was suggested as the winner of the battle royal by some of the people, including Russo. Unfortunately, however, not many people were on board with Russo's plan, and shortly thereafter, however, Russo was shown the door and sent home packing. As a result, however, within 24 hours, Kevin Sullivan was named the new booker of the WCW front office, however, and had full control of matchmaking once again. At this point, however, some of the wrestlers could not believe what they were seeing. Vince Russo had only been in the company not even less than three months already, and had been pissing away literally everything and anything within earshotting distance. As a result, some of the wrestling talent at the time, most notably Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and others, however, felt with Sullivan back in charge, however, that things were going to be the same old again. Just like Russo had done, however, previously uh, during his time, however, Sullivan was a guy, however, who felt that the younger talent was not worth a damn, and that they should be put in the backside burner when push the upper talent, however, even further to the top. Guys like Hogan and Nash. But of course, Hogan, Nash, and some of these guys, however, were tired of the politicking that had been going on as well. And as a result, however, they bothered to tell WCW and the brass, however, that they weren't going to even show up for the pay-per-view for sold out, however. In fact, however, Savage and Hogan both told WCW management prior to uh, the meeting that Friday, however, in a closed-door session after that Monday night show in Buffalo, however, that they would be sitting at home for a while until things got under control again, and they didn't care how much they would have to sit out or miss any paychecks there. They were tired of being screwed over time after time after time because of everything going on.
As a result, however, Chris Benoit and the guys felt the same way too. As a result, they approached Executive VP Bill Bush and Bill Banks, however, mind you, however, and told them both, however, that they didn't feel that they should be sticking around much longer, especially now that Sullivan was in control once again, and that Sullivan was going to be out for himself and some of the upper talent once again. Bush and Banks were wondering what Benoit was saying, however, but they felt that Benoit did have a point. In fact, however, in fact, however at one point, however, they both uh, told Chris, asked Chris what they wanted him to do. Chris told them basically, however, that he wanted Sullivan out of power, and then if he didn't stay, get out of power, that he and his friends would go elsewhere that would be appreciated, because they were tired of being screwed over time and time again. Unfortunately, however, 24 hours later, however, it came to be announced, however, that Benoit would be the new number one contender. Now that Bret Hart was out of the star cage, excuse me, the sold out match, however, against Sid Vicious, however, Sid had a match, but it wasn't against Bret Hart. It was against the guy who originally was supposed to face Jeff Jarrett now for the U.S. title at the pay-per-view. But just like Bret Hart, however, Jeff Jarrett was hurt too. And as a result, Jeff Jarrett was forced to sit at home, however, to miss the pay-per-view due to the injury he had suffered only the week before. As a result, these two, Brett and Sid, would meet, however, who were supposed to meet at Sold Out, never got to meet at Sold Out. Instead, it turned out to be Chris Benoit and Sid meeting each other for the WCW World's title that night in Cincinnati, Ohio. And what happened, you asked? Well, we'll tell you about it in just a second, so hang on, I'll be right back. What happened next, folks, was very interesting. In fact, however, mind you, what happened uh, in the early part, shortly after this, however, Chris Benoit took on, however, Sid that night at Sold Out. And we want to acknowledge before we go on any further that John Gross is now logged in the chat. John, uh, welcome to episode 42. We were just talking about the rise and fall of WCW Part 2. So if you feel like calling in, please call in. Or if you have a memory or two you want to share with us, however, please give us a call. Uh, the call ID, of course, is 139925-POUND, in case you're curious, however. Uh, that being said, however... Uh, as I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, what happened next, however, was very interesting, involving uh, Benoit and Sid Vicious. Benoit would win the WCW World Title, however, by defeating Sid that night in Cincinnati. But unfortunately, he felt that he was betrayed. And as a result, however, mind you, however, like I said, however, he felt betrayed. In fact, however, here is uh, a little snippet we'll play for you right now, however, that Mike Graham had to say about Chris Benoit and the Kevin Sullivan issue from 2000. So let's play that soundbite for you right now, ladies and gentlemen. WCW 2000, you're on the booking committee. It's an off-discussed time in WCW because it's right before the end for them. Um, take us behind the scenes. Uh, prior to the exodus of, of Benoit and Guerrero and, and all those guys when they go, um, what are the 
what are the politics at play, really? You want to know why they left? Well, we can get your version of why they left. I'll tell you exactly why they left. You tell me. Not my version. It is why. Go ahead. Kevin was hired as a booker. Yeah. His wife, Miss Nancy, had been having an affair with Benoit right. the whole time they were on the road together. That's an ultimate sin in the wrestling business. And it's an ultimate sin in life for your wife to date your buddy or somebody you're working with. But it happens all the time. Okay? So Benoit took Kevin's condo on Daytona Beach. He took Kevin's wife. He did a lot of stuff. Kevin never... Kevin's a badass. Kevin would have kicked Benoit's ass easily. Or he'd have stabbed him in the eye with a fork. Or he, he did something. Nancy couldn't let it go. Every day she was telling Chris, he's going to get you. Watching, he's going to get you. you. So years go by. My Kevin told me, he said he took my wife, he took my condo in Daytona, you know, when he got the job back booking, he said, I'm not going to do anything to him because I don't want to lose my job. Kevin put the world title on that dipshit. Had him beat, god dang, uh, Sid Vicious. And I begged him, I said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It's foolish. Benoit is not a world champion. Don't do this. He's great on the card, like I said. In the Ringling Brothers Circus, he's a high wire rat. He's, but he's not the lion tamer. Sticks his head in the lion's mouth is going to get bit off. And that's what happened. We were in, Kevin got the booking job. We were in, I want to say, Cincinnati or something. Benoit beats Sid Vicious for the world's title. We go to uh, Cleveland or something the next day. J.J. Dillon comes walking in. No, not J.J., but they had given the, uh, the accountant. Nice guy. Bob uh, Bob Duke? Not Bob. Not, not Bob Duke. Uh, Bill Bush. Bill Bush. Right. Bill Bush. They they made Bill Bush the boss. Uh, some TV guys and whatever got this big push to get rid of Eric Bischoff because Eric had been flailing and, and whatever. So they fired Eric Bischoff and put Bill Bush in as the boss. So Kevin puts the world championship, world title on Benoit. Bill Bush comes in the dressing room with Kevin and I, and he said, guys, said I. He said, I, I, I know what I'm going to do, but I just want to tell you. He said, Benoit, Guerrero, uh, Perry Saturn, blonde-haired guy that was a skateboard guy for a while that looked kind of good but never drew a dime. I don't know. He Shane, worked. Shane Douglas uh, and somebody else said, they're all going to leave if, if I don't fire Kevin and you and J.J. Dillon. I said, what? Quote, unquote, Benoit said he can't trust his career in Kevin's hands. I said, Kevin, against everybody, put the world's title on him last night. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to let him go, but I just want you to know the ultimatum that they just gave me. Really. So I walked out of the dressing room. I found Benoit. I took him sat his ass down in the middle of the arena where nobody was around. Let me tell you something. Ripless. I won't use the language I didn't say. But I said, Kevin Sullivan is your biggest pusher. I said, I said not to put the world title on you. J.J. Dillon said not to put the world title on you. But Kevin is your biggest pusher. He did that on his own. I said, now here's the difference between Kevin and I. If you had taken my life, I would kick your ass every time I saw you for the rest of your life. That's what I'd do. But I said, now, now, that you've tried to take my job because I'm Kevin's friend and you want to fire me, 
I said, I'll cut your fucking head off and put it on a stick in front of your house for all the kids to throw rocks at it. I said, I'm not the guy to mess with. He got up, and I said, come on, let's roll. Tough guy. You know, let's go. And I was 50 at something at the time. I don't know. He ran off through the building. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. About an hour later, here comes JJ. He walks in. He said, Mike, what did you do? I said, I didn't do anything. He said, the lady at Human Resources just called me and said that, that Benoit called her and that, that, that Mike Graham in the upper office had threatened his life. And I said, JJ, you've known me a long time. Would I do that? He said, oh, yeah. I said, no, 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 wrong answer. I said, let me call the lady. She said, don't. I said, let me call her. So I call her. Hi, how are you? Mike Graham, yes, ma'am. Uh, I just had a, uh, she wouldn't tell, she, like, we don't know. Well, I just had a complaint from a wrestler that said you threatened his life. I said, here's where it is. This is a very violent sport we live in. We're not, we're not selling candy bars and crap like that out here. You know, I said, I've grown up. I said, all I told Chris was that if he had taken my wife and totally embarrassed me in front of my friends, my comrades, my everything, that I'd whip his ass every time I saw him. Now, can you blame a, a high-strung professional athlete for just making a comment like that to another high-strung? I said, that's the way we don't go dancing. We don't go, we're, we're kind of like dogs that nip at each other. And she said, that's what you said to him? I said, yeah, I told him I'd whip his ass every time I saw him had he done that to me. Where he didn't, Kevin didn't do nothing, you know? And he said, oh, well, yeah, I can understand that. So then when when he didn't get her to do anything to me, and when Bill Bush wasn't going to fire Kevin, then that's when I called him the little band of midgets. Little band of midgets ran to New York, and I said, I just saved our company $2.5 million a year because they never drew a dime. Not a dime. Not a dime. I did the TVs. I had the TV people give me a minute-to-minute rating of all of our shows. I knew when people stopped watching, who they were watching, when they were tuning in, those guys never drew a dime, not one penny. People were changing the station, watching something else when they came on. How they convinced them in doing what they did, I don't know. I said, Barry Wyndham, put him on TV. But Barry's Barry, and I love you, and you see this, but he's so independent. Barry does what he wants to do. He, he, he wants to go drinking and chasing some girl. He ain't going to come to work. Maybe a week, two weeks. I mean, you know, he's, but, but when he was on TV, they watched him. When Rick Rude was on TV, they watched him. When Sting was on TV, they watched him. Luger, eh, somewhat, somewhat. Uh, 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 Stevie Booker T. Nobody watched him. Mm. So, I mean, I knew. I, I, I wrote lists of names to put on TV because I knew who the people were watching. Nobody did that. And it was all right. It was all things we had at our... Our fingertip. I just call, send me the minute by minute, and I'd go in and show the guys here. Kevin Nash drew. Kevin, Kevin drew money. We need Kevin on TV. We need you know this and this and this and this. The other guys are just fillers. Two and a half million dollars left. Give me a half a million for getting rid of them. You know. Uh, so anyway, that was that that that's why they were gone. So now said 2000? Well, yeah. Uh, do you think anything could have been done to save WCW after Time Warner's involvement and the corporate structure? Fire everybody and start over. Really? Yeah. yeah. Contracts. The biggest work at WCW, guys wanted to get hired, they would get a stupid contract and they'd never come to work. 
they'd stub their toe, and they'd go to a doctor, and the doctor would write a little note saying, oh, if he hurts his toe, it could cause permanent damage. And Turner, TBS, was horrified of lawsuits, horrified. They did not want a lawsuit. So at one time, Sting, Lex, uh, Steiner, uh, like the, the so-called ten main event guys, eight of them were on leave. And they were all making 600 to a million dollars a piece a year and not coming to work. The, the, the medium guys, all the Mexicans from Mexico was making 150 grand a year, and they were used for TV. I mean, the, the, the contracts were just absolutely bizarre. Where did the buck stop? Who offered a contract? Who granted um, Vampiro $150,000 a year? Eric Bischoff. Beginning and end, Eric Bischoff. Uh, if if he liked you or thought you'd give him some money back or whatever, he'd give you big numbers. I mean, and it's a known fact. I'm not saying anything. Sting's music, Flair's music. Eric Bischoff bought into a music company in '99 or 2000. About 2000 is when everybody's music was redone. Mm. I wonder why the music was redone. And he was signing the checks to have the music redone. Sending checks to the company that he owned. When 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 New World Order, huge, Japan wanted T shirts. Our partners in Japan wanted T shirts. <laughs> Eric sold the WCW T shirt rights and marketing rights to one of his friends. In dick shit Montana or something. So Eric then sold all the marketing stuff to his friends, and then his friends sold them to people in Japan. He's Eric was selling shit to them for five dollars a shirt. He was selling them for twenty five a shirt. Eric was fifty percent owners in that. The poster company that they had had for years and years and years, Bagwell Marcus. Anyway. Um, Marcus Bagwell and his mother opened a printing company. So all of a sudden, who had all the, who had the rights to print all of the print stuff for WCW? Marcus Bagwell and his mother. They had their own printing company. And this list went on and on and on because he made the decision. He single-handedly bankrupted WCW, all on his own. He put it so far in the shitter that it could never have been bailed out. What was Brent? How very true those statements are from the late, great Mike Graham, as we said, folks. Uh, Throughout the rest of the 2000 year, it was a rough and tough year, to say the least, however. And, of course, it wouldn't be until a few weeks later that Ben Walker, Rara Malinka, and those guys would jump ship to WWE, however, and start to sink more and more the WCW power trip. By the summer of 2000, however, mind you, we're going to fast forward a little bit, however, mind you. In fact, you know what? We're not going to fast forward, however. We're going to play another sound bite for you, however. This is from the um, infamous, however, Bash at the Beach show from 2000 when Vince Russo came back to power, however, after what happened, however, mind you, involving the incident, however, mind you, of Hulk Hogan, however, and Vince Russo. This is what really went down. In fact, here's what uh, Hulk Hogan's, or Eric Bischoff talked about what happened, however, 
and also Vince Russo. Next week, of course, we'll continue this conversation in part three. But here is part of what you'll hear next week. What happened there, well, it was, there was a couple things that happened there. Um, one, my, my father had just passed away right before that. And so that was, you know, it is what it is. We will all go through that, those of us that haven't. But it was a, it was a tough time for me. And we had, I think the pay-per-view was the day after my father's funeral. And I had to fly from Minneapolis into wherever it was, Daytona Beach, I think is where it was. But... I had to fly in there, and because of the because of that, I got in late. But it was a funeral. I, I think I instead of getting in at ten in the morning, I ended up getting in at one in the afternoon. And I had asked everyone to hold off on the production meeting until I got there, that I would be in at approximately the time I got in. Well, I got to the building and I walked in, and the production meeting was already taking place. It was my first red flag, and then of course pulled everybody out of the meeting and. Or, Vince and everybody and said, what are we doing here? And Vince had his idea of what he wanted to do, and I had my idea of what I wanted to do. And Hulk and, Hulk and I had our idea of what we wanted to do, and we'd already talked to Brad Siegel about it. And that was the way the situation, that was the, the process. You know, Vince could come up with ideas, but we had to both agree, and if we didn't, then Brad Siegel was the tiebreaker. And it involved Hulk, and Hulk had creative control. So... I was a little pissed off just to start off with, but I didn't sell it. I didn't show it to anybody, um, I don't think. Anyway, I pulled Vince aside, and we started talking, and Hulk got involved, and Vince kind of drew a line in the sand, and, and I was happy that he did. And I said, okay, great. Let's go into the uh, let's go into the trailer, get on the phone. We'll call Brad Siegel. We'll see what we're going to do. Call Brad Siegel, laid everything out. Vince laid everything out. Brad said, Vince, you're going to go going to do what Eric and Hulk want to do. And I don't remember the details of the story, so please don't ask. But it it involved Hulk leaving the building with the belt. Okay. Because the idea, I remember specifically I was supposed to end, but the idea was that Hulk was going to quit, leave with the belt. We were going to create a, okay, we've got to create a new champion that was going to be a heel that comes out at Halloween Havoc. And instead of having that match with the heel, that's when Hulk, uh, the heel and whatever the baby face was, Hulk was going to be like, uh-uh-uh-uh, as a surprise, right. and we're going to do that match. So that, that was some version of that, more finely tuned, but that was the idea. And everybody liked that. And after having had the conflict with, with Vince, after having had the conference call with the president of the network, we all agreed what we were going to do. Part of that storyline was when Hulk got pissed off and left, he left the building and I left with him. And we did. And we got into a car and then we got into a, a plane, a private jet, and we were flying home because we had laid everything out the way we wanted it laid out for the most part, and we did our job. Our job was to get the car and leave the building. We right. wanted people to believe it was real. By the time we landed in Tampa, which was uh, about an 18-minute flight, by the time we landed, our phones were blowing up because Russo grabbed the microphone and went into business for himself, which was not a part of the script whatsoever. That's when the wheels completely fell off. Do you think uh, Hulk was right in suing? Yeah. If I could have, I would have. Were you shocked when uh, Brad didn't side with you and against Russo? 
He did side with Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I wasn't shocked at all. So there you have it, folks. Next week, part three, however, we will continue from 2000 into 2001, ladies and gentlemen, however, involving what happened after the radicals left, including the return of Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff. You just heard a clip from Bash at the Beach 2000. Was Slamboree all a hoax or not a hoax, ladies and gentlemen, however, in 2000 by doing what they did, however, and how bad would it continue to be? Well, folks, we'll tell you about it right now. As we take you out tonight, here's a little uh, preview of what you might hear next week. So, right now, reporting live from ringside, this is the Iceman, Joe D. Jones, saying so long, and we will talk, we'll talk to you soon. So have a good night, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Good night, everyone. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.